Stories fascinate us as human beings from a young age. I remember as a kid, my mom uh, would often read to us, and we would beg her to keep going over the, the number of chapters. We would read a book, and we would try and bribe her with whatever means we could possibly come up with in order to continue reading uh, at, uh, into the night um, as we were supposed to be going to sleep. We love to hear them over and over again, in fact. Even when we've heard them once, uh, there's this desire sometimes to revisit a story. Good stories don't tire of being repeated then, and they get better with every repetition in some way. Every time my family gets together, for example, we tell the same stories over and over again, and they seem to get better with every repetition. We naturally narrate our lives also from a young age. We use words to describe the things around us, to describe our world as it opens before us. We get great delight as adults listening to the little ones in our midst uh, speaking about uh, their life, right? What did you do today at school? We want to know. And they want to tell us most of the time, unless they got in trouble, right? We put these words together into sentences. Words point to concepts, and those concepts point to something in reality. And from a very young age, we start to use those words in order to describe things. Notice something else. And as we tell stories, we recognize that those words, when they're put together into a story, are able to affect something to cause something to come to be right, through this speech. This natural love of stories, it reflects something deep in our human nature. What we just heard in the gospel today is a shorthand version of a very long story. The genealogy in the Bible is not meant to just trip up a preacher as he reads it, right? It's actually there for a purpose. It reminds us of this story into which we're all called. It reflects something deep about the type of being that we are that our forebears in the faith wrote down all of these names. There's some reason that we remember these names. And each one of those names represents a story unto itself, a story of longing which could be told. Our love of stories, brothers and sisters, is deep within our hearts because it's a reflection of the fact that we're created in the image and likeness of God, who is a master storyteller. Yet unlike when we tell stories, which either describe our stories, which always describe past events historically or or imaginative projections into the future, descriptions of something not real. When God speaks, things happen. And so in the beginning was the word, as St. John tells us in his gospel, and all things came to be through him. God's act of creation was through the Word. 
A good God spoke a beautiful creation into being out of love. And like all creations, the creation of our Lord reflects the creator in some way. When you and I create, when we tell a story, for example, the story we create reflects us in some way. When we look at art, we know that there was an artist, even if there's no signature at the bottom of the painting. The world, including you and I, we bear the marks of our creator. In particular, we know deep within ourselves that we're made for communion with God. God put us into the world to know, to love, and to serve him, and so to come to paradise with him, to be a sharer in his own blessed life. Part of the story that God spoke into being through the word, part of his creation is that he created us free. Created us in a state where we could choose to go towards him or we could choose to go against him. We're never outside of his providence. We're never outside of his story, but we are free. The gift is given of freedom in order that we might love God with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, and with all our strength. Human freedom, though, also brings with it the capacity to choose wrongly. And in fact, man has chosen wrongly. Adam and Eve, our first parents, chose to let their trust in their creator die and thus sin. And this is analogous to the character of a story rebelling against the author. And all through the ages since that time, men and women have struggled under the consequences of that rejection, that I will not serve. Sin colors the whole story from that point onward. You need only look at the genealogy that we just read once again to see that. Among those names are many good people, yes, but all of them, all of them, in some way sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And we also, brothers and sisters, we know that in our own stories, there we experience evil. There is a longing reflected in this genealogy that we have just read that we also experience to be free from evil. But we know evil. We've done evil sometimes. Perhaps we've been, uh, someone has done evil to us as well. We know, though, also that it should not be so. And so we desire in various degrees for things to be put right. That long genealogy expresses that long story of longing. And the good news is that the author of creation does not cease to speak after the fall. His word endures for all eternity. Like a human storyteller who uses tension within a story to bring a more glorious resolution in the mind of his readers, the divine author weaves a glorious tapestry of redemption following the fall of man from grace. From the first moment of the fall, God seeks man again. He cries out, where are you? Not because he doesn't know where we are, but that we might recognize that we have fallen short and wish to return to him. 
into this longing expressed by this genealogy, into this tapestry which is colored by sin, the the Word Himself becomes flesh. He enters into the story. Far beyond all imagining is this divine action. The radical claim of Christianity, brothers and sisters, is that the Word who spoke creation into being became a baby in a manger who could not speak a word. Today, on this great feast of Christmas, we celebrate that God humbly reveals himself to us by becoming man. He speaks a definitive word to us. He takes on flesh and blood, and thus he reveals to us his love for us in a language that we can understand. God becomes incarnate. He takes on a human mind and a human will. He assumes humanity to himself. He works with human hands. He loves with a human heart. And he dies a human death. He becomes like us in all things but sin. Through his humanity, brothers and sisters, we get to meet divinity. When we look at the little baby in the manger in a nativity scene, we see the face of God. The infant Jesus lying in the manger reveals God. Think of that. When he smiles, God smiles. When he cries, God cries. When he grasps the finger of Mary or Joseph or of a shepherd, it is God grasping a human hand. This is so fundamental to what it means to be Christian, brothers and sisters. And if we recognize it, it will change the way we live today. On this night of the nativity, the defenseless love of God, his humility, and his kindness come into view. He exposes himself to us in the heart of this world. God comes to us in a way that we can receive him as a tiny infant. Think of that. Infants, they can't harm us. The little baby Jesus can do us no harm, yet he is God. And he has written himself into the story as the Redeemer, as the one who reconciles God and man together. In Christ. Justice and mercy perfectly meet. And through things visible, we're caught up into the love of things invisible. Through the visible sign, the silent word who pleads for us, the visible language of the body of the Lord, we come to know how much he loves us and we're provoked to love him in return. That's why he came, brothers and sisters. Every action of Jesus Christ on this earth was to provoke us to love him in which our salvation consists. Friends, he came to rescue you and I from sin. For sinners here, the silent word is pleading for you and for me. He wants nothing but to heal you and to raise you to life with himself. For this is why the Word became man, and the Son of God became the Son of man, 
so that man, by entering into communion with the Word and thus receiving a share in his divine sonship, might become a son of God. Friends, brothers and sisters, if you have been far from the Lord, if you haven't been to Mass in a while, do not be afraid to let him love you today. Do not be afraid to receive the Christ child into your arms. Look upon him, and more importantly, let him look upon you with love. He comes for you. He comes for me. Let your heart be melted by his gaze. Delight as he smiles upon you. Then let your heart respond with love. He takes nothing, and he gives everything. O come, let us adore him.